A large book might be filled with the stories told by the men who found gold in the early days. Their lucky strikes in dry diggings sound like fairy tales. Imagine turning over a big rock and then picking up pieces of gold enough to fill half a man's hat from the little nest that rock had been lying in for years and years. And think of finding $43,000 in a yellow lump over a foot long six inches wide, and four inches thick. This was the biggest nugget on record, and actually weighed 195 pounds. The next one, too, you might have been glad to pick up, as it held 133 pounds of solid gold. Little 75- and 50-pound treasures were common, and a soldier stopping to drink at a roadside stream found a nugget weighing over twenty pounds lying close to his hand. It paid to get up early those days, also for a man in Sonora, while taking his morning walk, struck his foot against a large stone, and forgot the pain when he saw the stone was nearly all gold. Another man, with good eyes, got a fifty-pound nugget on a trail many people used all the time. One day, after a heavy rain, A man who was leading a mule and cart through a street in Sonora noticed that the wheel struck a big stone. He stooped to lift it out of the way and found the stone to be a lump of gold weighing thirty-five pounds. In less than an hour, all that part of the town and the street was staked off into mining claims, but no more was found. One of the largest of these nuggets was found by three or four men who took it to San Francisco and the eastern states and exhibited it for money. They guarded the precious thing day and night, but at last quarreled so that it had to be broken up and divided between them. The first piece Marshall found was said to be worth about fifty cents, and the second over five dollars. Almost all, though, that was found was like beans or small seeds or in fine dust. No one tried to weigh or measure such gold more correctly than to call a pinch between the finger and thumb a dollar's worth, while a teaspoonful was an ounce or sixteen dollars worth. A wine glass full meant a hundred dollars, and a tumbler full a thousand. Miners carried their dust in a buckskin bag, and this was put on the counter, and the storekeeper took out what he thought enough to pay for the things the miner bought. A large thumb to take a large pinch of the gold dust meant a good many extra dollars to the storekeeper in forty-eight and forty-nine. Yet nearly everyone was honest, and the gold might be left in an open tent untouched, for there was plenty more to be had for the picking up. Those who would rather steal than work were driven out of camp. Some of the sandbars, or banks of gravel and earth, washed down by the Yuba River, were so rich that the men could pick out a tin cupful of gold day after day for weeks. One place was called Tin Cup Bar for this reason. Spanish Bar, on the American River, yielded a million dollars' worth of dust, and at Ford's Bar, a miner named Ford, took out seven hundred dollars a day for three weeks. At Rich Bar, on the Feather River, a panful of earth gave fifteen hundred dollars. 
Yet the miners were seldom satisfied, but were always prospecting for richer claims. A man would shoulder his roll of blankets, his pick and shovel, with a few cooking things, and start off hoping to find some rich nugget, leaving a fairly good claim untouched. The most extravagant prices were charged the miner for everything he had to buy. Ten dollars apiece for pick and shovel, fifty for a pair of long boots, with bacon and potatoes at a dollar and a half a pound, soon took all his gold dust to pay for. A dozen fresh eggs cost ten dollars, and a box of sardines half an ounce of gold dust, which was eight dollars. There was no butter to buy, for any milk was quickly sold at a dollar a pint. The hotels charged three dollars a meal, or a dollar for a dish of